This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The Brain. Joining us on this segment is a successful small biz owner located in Albuquerque. His company, Albuquerque Luggage and Zipper Repair. Joel Greasehopper has been running his business, Albuquerque Luggage and Zipper Repair, for about 30 years here and joining us on the line to unpack the luggage business. Sorry, Joel. And share his experience, his business insights is Joel Greasehopper. Joel, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, David. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I've enjoyed our discussions offline. I'm looking forward to this segment. Look, you've been in business a long, 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 long time. How did you first get into the luggage business? What led to the inception of your business? Well, after I graduated from Rutgers University in New Jersey in 84, 1984, I decided I was going to head west, David. And I ended up out here in Albuquerque and decided to combine my skills in fixing and renewing things along with uh, my marketing skills from my business degree and also combined in there with a desire to want to give people an alternative to the throwaway society. I was hired on to a uh, luggage retail store here in 1987 and worked there for a year and realized that this was a value-added part of the business is fixing luggage. You're pointing to, and this is there's a lot to unpack here, and I know from talking to you, this means a lot to you, the idea that we run against the throwaway society and begin to look at luggage differently. So when we talk about the subject of luggage, you've got your own definition. Talk to us about how that looks. Well, it's interesting. Actually, if people come in my shop, they have their own kind of limiting definition, David, about Mm -hmm. luggage. Uh, They'll walk in and say to me, I know you fix luggage, but hey, can you fix my wife's purse? Or hey, can you fix my briefcase? Uh, And so I came to realize that people limit their definition. Actually, the way I look at it is luggage is anything that you use to carry or lug anything around. And uh, that would include everything from purses to backpacks, uh, leather apparel, uh, motorcycle riding gear, briefcases, musical instrument cases of all kinds. Uh, I do sporting goods, camping gear, 
uh, REI has been sending uh, all their repairs to me. So I work on zippers on tents and sleeping bags. So it's just an enormous list that goes on and on. The sky's the limit is what I say. Uh, I can pretty much fix anything. <laughs> I used to say anything but body bags, but I can't say that anymore because I had a guy from a funeral home bringing in a body bag last year, and I, I did repair the zipper on that. Unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> Is that the answer to the question, what's the weirdest thing you've ever fixed at Albuquerque <laughs> Luggage and Zipper Repair? Mm-hmm. I noticed you, you stuck that question in, and I, I had to ask. Yeah. No, that's, that's that. That would be among the list of weird things. Um, Are there any others that uh, we should mention? Yep. Yeah, yeah, there was a uh, woman that called me up on the phone once and said, uh, do you fix broken trunks? I said, well, sure, we work on trunks. And she said, I'll be right down. And she brought in this leather elephant, which is a family <laughs> heirloom. And one of her grandchildren had, uh, this thing stood about three feet tall. And one of the grandchildren sat on the trunk of the elephant and broke it. So, yes, I, I had to fix uh, a broken trunk. So a trunk qualified as luggage, which we understand. <laughs> we call these things. So it's very, very broad. And you're right. We do have, as consumers, we have limited sort of thoughts about what luggage is. And you just opened my mind quite a bit. You've been in the business a long time. How has the manufacturing of luggage changed in, in your view? Good question. <clears throat> well, being in it now in my 29th year, and we'll be starting my 30th year in August, Congrats. David, um, I um, have seen trends. Um, when I first got into the business in 87 and uh, opened my shop in 88, uh, vinyl was real big, you know, pleather, plastic leather, as, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, vinyl was big. <clears throat> and then it got to more into uh, the DuPont line of fabrics, the woven and ballistic nylon uh, fabrics, which we see today. Another thing was there were more hard shell suitcases out there. Uh, so I've, I've seen it go in a trend, you know, maybe more towards the ballistic nylon and even parachute uh, material. Uh, there are a couple of lines of luggage, and they're, they're all striving to uh, try to comply with lighter weight requirements because if you can only bring a 50-pound suitcase on the airplane uh, for free, you want to be able to have a light suitcase, David, so you can pack a lot of stuff in there. For example, some of the old cases could weigh 15, 16 pounds. So if it's 15 pounds, you're only going to be able to pack 34 and a half pounds in there to stay under the 50-pound limit. Now they're coming out with some super lighter stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I've seen changes in in the trends. Another trend is spinners, which I personally think will be weeded out through the Darwin theory of luggage evolution. And that's where cases have these four wheels where they're all swivels and you can spin them. So why do you think those will uh, sort of evolve out of manufacturing? Uh, they protrude too much, and the conveyor belts uh, uh, are not friendly to them. Uh, 90% of your damage, I believe, is conveyor belt related. And then the parts are hard to get, David. These wheels sometimes are difficult to uh, attain so that I can yes. do my my uh, my job. So you're called on to, at, at times, replace wheels. And as a business person, hard to get parts. Maybe there's some complexity to the install of replacing these wheels. All of these factors or a piece of that. 
It's all a piece of it, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen things that have gone out of vogue, and I see things that are in vogue now that I think eventually will be, you know, phased out. Um, right. And you mentioned wheels. I should also uh, add as an addendum to that, we also yeah. do hinges, locks, handles, any kind of hardware on cases, fixtures, Velcro, grommets, uh, the high-impact plastic uh, side oh, yes. buckles, yep. all those things. And, you know, you mentioned handles as well, and they, they, we've all got, come accustomed to these uh, handles that sort of telescope out from the luggage. Talk to me a little bit about how you feel about that as a manufacturing feature, and uh, are they like wheels where they're going to evolve into something very different, or is that model working? That model's working. You're talking about the extending yes. pole handle assembly. As I, call, it's I call it a, a telescopic, but, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, telescopic or extending. Yeah. They come out of the, usually out of the top end of right. a vertical suitcase. They yeah. used to have them, um, David, on the outside of the suitcases, and then I saw them kind of go internal where now they're installed inside a case and it emits through the top uh, coming through what's called a bezel you know and it was supposed to kind of protect the pull handle from damage but i still do see a uh, quite a number of that repair come in where they're either bent or sometimes the linkages break uh, inside, and I can usually repair that. We're visiting with Joel Grishopper. He's the 30-year now, or almost, owner and operator of Albuquerque Luggage and Zipper Repair. Of course, located in Albuquerque. Give us your address, if you would, Joel. Yes, well, we recently moved. We were 26 years uh, north of here on San Mateo Northeast. But our new address, I've been here three years, mm -hmm is 136 Washington Street Southeast, just south of Route 66, also known as Central Avenue, in East Knob Hill. Excellent, thank you. And the phone number there, if you would, the best number for business. 505-256-7220. And for those outside Albuquerque and in the lower 48, it's one 800 Three four nine seven two two zero again one eight hundred and the number three four nine actually spells the word fix because I fix things and ending in seven two two zero. Joel, it's hard to ignore the fact that you've added zipper repair in the name of the company. So I had to ask you: Was there a point where you added that, or was that always a part of the concept? And I want to talk about zippers a little bit. This seems to be an area that you specialize in. Yeah, very perceptive of you, yeah. Years ago, I used to be called ABQ or Albuquerque Luggage Repair. Right. And I came to realize that repairing zippers was a large portion of what I did. And then after 9-11 occurred, mm -hmm. September 11, 2001, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. since I lost pretty much all my airline accounts, and there's a reason for that I can explain, they had to divert their fees toward security costs, so they went through and cut their budget and different things, and one of the cuts was luggage repair. You know, they stopped using me. So I said, well, you know, okay, what's the key to survival in small business? Adaptability. We adapt in order to survive. So I adapted by finding new markets, and one of those markets was fixing zippers on many of the aforementioned items, you know, sporting goods, camping gear, motorcycle gear, zippers on jackets, and, and so forth, and um, zippers, of course, on luggage, briefcases, all those things, too. But 
zippers became a big part of it. So we decided to add that into the name and help people realize and remember that we do work on all types of zippers. And usually, David, I can repair them. <laughs> people will come in sometimes with an item and say, hey, I, I, my zipper wasn't working and I removed it for you. I, I, I helped you out. I took the whole zipper chain out. And I look at it and I say to the passenger customer, mm. what was it doing when you were zipping it up? And they say, well, it just wouldn't mesh together. And I say, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> you didn't need to take the whole zipper out. You know, maybe all they needed was a slider, which is that moving part that channels the two halves of the zipper together. Yeah, the zipper is an amazing, amazing invention. It's right up there with the paper clip. And I've found them very <laughs> fascinating. And I've noticed, too, I just, before we met, I had a zipper repaired on a vest that I own. And it came with a vinyl zipper, but they ended up going with a metal zipper. So I wanted to get your insights, the expert opinion about the differences between metal and vinyl. Maybe there's some other materials that are uh, used to manufacture zippers, and, and whether there's better or worse, they're all the same. It's not about the material. You know, Just talk to us a little bit about your, your experience with zippers. Well, it's interesting. Now, with the advent of Google, anyone can Google zipper history, and we'll find out that it was invented by a Swedish gentleman somewhere around uh, in the late 1800s, and it was originally called a hook and loop fastener, not to be confused with the generic reference to Velcro, which is a whole other uh, history. And so it evolved from being called the hook and loop fastener to the zipper later on, uh, I think around the time it was introduced into clothing by the French. And that was introduced, uh, shown to the public uh, somewhere around the 1930s at the World's Fair. So the French were the first to use a zipper in clothing. Uh, actually, we back up a little bit. I believe B.F. Goodrich also um, in, was the first to employ the zipper in mass because the U.S. military uh, wanted to uh, put these hook and loop fasteners on their galoshes or rubber boots that were used for the troops. So there were a couple of instances there where it was used in mass. So an interesting history. Now, today's zippers, we find three different kinds, David. One would be the metal tooth zipper. And then the second would be a molded plastic zipper, sometimes referred to as Vislon, V as in Victor, I-S-L-O-N. Mm -hmm. And then the third kind, which I prefer above all, is a nylon coil, also referred to as NC, nylon coil zipper. Now, the nylon coil zipper is a continuous coil, kind of like if you envision a spring. A spring is just a, a, a continuously coiling uh, item, and if you were to flatten that spring, then each lap of coil would give the illusion of of a tooth on a nylon coil zipper. These are very strong zipper chains, and they're much more durable than the molded plastic zipper where the teeth can crack and break and fall off, such as on a ski jacket. You're up at the top of the mountain, and uh, you, know, you need to zip up your pants or your jacket, yeah. and it's cold, yeah. and there's a little ruffle in the zipper, and you, you crack a tooth, and then you're, you're kind of really screwed. <laughs> and uh, then the uh, metal tooth zipper, they are individual teeth, and they can pull out. And again, if that happens somewhere along the 
zipper chain at the bottom or the middle and it's not way up at the top, again, you're kind of out of luck. So the nylon coil is the one that I prefer and I encourage people to uh, purchase clothing or, you know, boots and shoes or anything uh, with, uh, with that kind of zipper in it. Luggage, same thing. Briefcases. Continuous coil is the one. Okay, that's fascinating. And it sounds like you can repair, like if a tooth is missing, it's possible to repair these. It doesn't always require a complete uh, removal, R&R. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got it right. Uh, well, except that on a continuous coil, about the only thing that will wear out on that, David, is if, uh, say, for instance, you have a briefcase and the corner of it, uh, you have a laptop inside, and that's a hard object. And every time you go to open the door or get out of your car or walking along the wall in your office, it yeah. scrapes and it sands down the threads. The threads get sanded down, it pops. And then the coil becomes uh, detached from the zipper tape. And so what I can do in that instance is restitch the coil back on, as long as it's not cut or stretched way out of line. Okay. All right. Cool. Attaching the zipper tape, as you call it, to the garment or to the luggage, I guess, in some or the bag or whatever, what have you, uh, I guess that requires sort of a, a seamstress sort of an application, right? Is that something you guys do in-house? Yeah, very good point. Uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of stitching. Stitching is <laughs> integral to what I do. Uh, people will often come in and say, hey, can you just glue this? And I say to them, yeah. don't use the G word. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly what I do is I, I stitch. And I would say about a third of what I do is painstakingly stitched by hand still using an awl, which I did the first year of work before I could afford my sewing machine. And now I've actually got uh, three of these uh, heavy-duty stitching machines, uh, which the other two-thirds of my work uh, things that are accessible into the machine, mm -hmm. uh, such as a large piece of luggage or briefcase or purse, I can I can stitch and I do a lot of heavy stitching. And uh, so, to give you an example, back to the nylon coil zipper, stitching the coil back onto the zipper tape yeah. if it became unstitched. That's got to be done by hand with a needle and a thimble and thread, wow. just the old-time the old time way. I love it, yeah. Very wow. labor-intensive, yes. labor-intensive. Yes. You know, you mentioned in passing that the airlines actually historically, whether they're doing it now or not, I understand there are budget cuts, but how fascinating that you have these commercial, what I'll call wholesale type of relationships with airlines that uh, indicates they really had a high level of trust when they were responsible for the damage of someone's luggage in transit on the conveyor, what have you, they would call you if it was a local case and have you do it. Do I, is that uh, basically, the, do I, have I uh, outlined the relationship properly? Yes, you have. You hit the nail on the head. And back in the 90s, David, that's when I bought a lot of real estate. <laughs> I've got uh, rental properties. That's one of my other jobs. <clears throat> but during the 90s was the heyday for the airline accounts. I had, I had all of them, and they had... Uh, I had their trust, and uh, they knew that uh, I did good work. And uh, one of my slogans is, my trademark slogan is, ABQ stands for a better quality repair. And so they would send to me everything from American right on down the line to United. Uh, I had American Continental Delta. I had Braniff before they went out of business. I had, I had uh, some Pan Am. I had... Uh, you know, lots of airlines, TWA, yeah. that, that ended up going uh, 
uh, belly up through the years. Uh, yep, we, we did we did all of the service. I love the service. history of that. Yeah, I love the history there. And I know you had a lot of uh, many airlines involved, but did each one have a lot of volume? In other words, the question really is, did they damage a lot of luggage? Oh, they do damage a lot. And passengers, you know, people come in angry and upset. Sure. They want to think it's a human-related thing. And I have to say that 90% of the damage really is due to conveyor belts. Conveyance is a way of moving bags through, you know, sophisticated belt systems to get it to the aircraft and then from the aircraft back to yeah. the passenger once they land. And these things do not think. And if someone loads a garment bag on, say, with a, a hook that's dangling or a giant padlock, as somebody wants to think they have security with a big padlock, these things end up getting caught in the cracks and twists and turns of the conveyor belts. And it can cause a belt jam, and it can take down 10, 20, 30 bags behind it. And these belts become bag crushers. The other 10% of damage, okay, maybe, maybe human-caused, uh, certainly not due to negligence, due to the fact that to unload a 737, they're only given about 20 or 24 minutes, David, to get in there on their hands and knees wearing uh, knee pads and grabbing for this luggage and getting it out. Yeah. Uh, so it's got to be done quickly. So it's it's not an easy job. And, 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 yeah, a lot of damage does occur at these times. But passengers need to take uh, responsibility, personal responsibility, and travel wisely and not do things like having dangling uh, participles and, and uh, uh, you know, locks and things like this, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I was going to So the biggest tip is just keep the the luggage it should be tight it shouldn't have things hanging off of it tags handles open loose objects yeah pull handles half extended out things yeah. like that yeah. yeah 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 and it's usually not human error it's uh aside from the rush factor it's the uh it's the the fact that these are machines that don't think and uh, they're not going to be selective about if something's dangling it'll get caught so pretty simple stuff but you know in the heat of uh, battle when you're traveling you know just check folks and of course uh, Joel's business is all about repairing those things so we want to uh, mention you can reach them on the website at uh, www.abqrepair.com it's a great website domain abqrepair.com because it's so wide open. And, of course, the address of the physical store in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is 136 Washington Southeast. So it's Yeah, south- we're, we're literally 300 feet south of historic Route 66, which okay. is also known as Central Avenue. So the south of Central, and uh, that's Route 66 for those traveling in and out and uh, uh, needing repair while they're traveling to or from Albuquerque, which I bet is a part of your business, right, Joel? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. One uh, final thing, you know, on this program, we've had a lot of small business owners, and you've been doing this a long time. You've survived. You pointed to your ability to adapt as one of the key elements to sustaining the business. Anything else from your perspective as a business owner that you'd like uh, our audience to hear uh, coming from you, uh, having run a successful small business for so many years? Absolutely. Yeah, I say for me, it's the three P's are important. Planning, perseverance, and patience. Those three things have helped me immensely. You've got to do a five-year plan. It's essential. It's basically like a written affirmation, David, and affirmations are powerful. Uh, my first uh, five years in business was uh, 1988 
till uh, 93, I wrote a five-year plan, and I achieved 90% of it. If I hadn't written that plan, I wouldn't have achieved 10% of it. And it's just an amazing thing. So the planning is important. Uh, perseverance, don't think, hey, I've been in business a year, I've already made it, and get kind of cocky. <laughs> After a year, I realized uh, maybe it's five years, and now it's every five years you know, I check my ego at the door when I come in mm. and say, you know, I got to, I got to, you got to stay on your game. And then the third thing, third T is patience. You got to have patience. And uh, so those three P's are important. And again, I mentioned about a five-year plan as an affirmation. Um, and I've got a plan for the future. Let's talk uh, about would... your plan for the future, please. I'd like to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to announce on your great radio show, Small Biz America, uh, that uh, in, by 2018, I'm going to begin a project, and that is to offer my skill set as an adjunct to other symbiotic businesses and perhaps advertise it in a magazine like Inc. and say to people who own businesses like Cleaners, sporting goods, shoe repair, or maybe a tailor who wants mm -hmm. to add this type of uh, skill set, add this type of business on as an adjunct to uh, increase their, uh, their intake, uh, their, their income. Yeah. I'm going to uh, put together um, a plan with uh, uh, training manuals, uh, PowerPoint presentation, and then I will go out to those places. And there's lots of cities, David, that need this kind of um, business. <clears throat> you know, some cities that have big airports and there's nobody that wants to do this kind of work. So I'll go out there, train that individual or individuals, take a month and train them, and uh, then maybe come back every six months uh, for the first year. And that's my plan. I want to basically go outside of my area and uh, try to clone myself. Well, I love the idea of taking your experience and then uh, projecting it out into the market in a scalable way, a repeatable, scalable way. It's brilliant. Of course, uh, the business we're talking about today is Albuquerque Luggage and Zipper Repair. We've been visiting with the owner and founder, Joel Griesheiber. The address, 136 Washington Southeast. That's south of Route 66, otherwise known as Central. Two phone numbers for you, for those listening, 505-256-7220 or uh, toll-free, 800-349-7220. Joel, I know you're, uh, so I think we talked about music, so what else do you do outside of the business? I'd like to get the who behind the business before we wrap this up. <laughs> yes, I do have a hobby. I've been a drummer vocalist for almost 50 years, 49 years, and uh, about 40 40 of it professionally and still playing. It's a great outlet. Uh, it's an avocation. It's, it's something that's a great outlet and I enjoy doing it. I'm currently with two bands and one of these bands I'm with is a jazz trio and uh, we are in the studio currently uh, recording a, a CD of uh, about six originals. It's called the Carl Richardson Trio, that's Carl with a K, and uh, it, it's a very enjoyable uh, way to express and uh, keeps me sane. <laughs> yeah, it's very different than the business you're in, but yeah, this creative expression, and as a fellow drummer, 
uh, I understand it completely. It's uh, really is centering and it's a beautiful thing you're in. And it, I'm sure it helps define how you and, and help you not only cope with the stresses of business, but really when you're centered like that and you're doing stuff you like to do, even outside of the business, it changes how you handle people, it changes how you handle situations that are not predictable, uh, that can otherwise stress us out. So it's good stuff, particularly if it's music. Yeah, I've also got meditation. I went and studied with Maharishi Mahashogi. Uh, who was uh, a man who came from India and visited the United States back in the mid-60s, you may remember. And in the 70s, there was a huge wave of people being initiated into this technique called Transcendental Meditation, which is a technique for deep relaxation of mind and body. So I learned that in 72, David. Then I became a teacher in 73, taught for about four or five years before I returned to college and went to Rutgers. But I still, to this day, practice meditation, and it helps me and uh, helps, helps keep me centered. Another thing I wanted to mention is it's so interesting, this business, because of the people, David. It's the people. You get traveling people coming in here. Some are traveling for business. Some are traveling for pleasure. Some are traveling perhaps for their last trip because they have an illness and they know they have a limited amount of time. But I have this big globe hanging here in front of me here at the shop I'm looking at right now. People come in and they'll tell me where they're going or where they came from or maybe a scuba diver will tell me about this hidden away reef that nobody knows about in the South Pacific. And I write these experiences of theirs down in a logbook. And appropriately enough, I have a suitcase full of logbooks in my garage. And one day, I am going to write a book, and it's going to be called Memoirs of a Bagman. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to contain all these wonderful, interesting stories of all the people who have walked through this incredible portal of my shop. I call it a portal because I've seen people come in here and another customer's waiting and they look at each other and go, hey, I haven't seen you in 20 years. What are you doing in Albuquerque? And then they <laughs> start talking and find out that they both moved to Albuquerque from you know, the same part of the world and all kinds of interesting stuff. I had two guys sitting in here last week talking about war stories you know, from Vietnam and they were both in the same area but you know, didn't know each other and it was. I just was mesmerized by that, and so the stories and things that I get from the people, the interesting people, is what's really made this business so enriching for me. Uh, the wealth, the true wealth, is in your heart and in your mind, and the you know experiences that I have heard and have collected from all these people. Well, I love that expanded consciousness around all of this. Of course, we started by talking about it about a business you own called Albuquerque Luggage and Zipper Repair. And uh, we've expanded, uh, as you called, uh, an unfolding conversation. So thank you so much for joining us on the program. He is Joel Greasehaber. He's the owner and operator many, many years now, coming up on 30 as we sit together in uh, coming up on mid-2017 for those listening in the long tail. www.abqrepair.com is the website. The phone, 505-256-7220, toll-free, 800-349-7220, and the address, 136 Washington Southeast, south of Route 66, uh, that's otherwise known as Central in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Joel, thanks so much for joining us on the program. Thank you so much, David Wolf. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Small Small Biz America.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.